So today, what we're going to do is, is, is really dive into the Apostle Paul and his life. Because he was a man who, he began as a man who was really uh, hard he was, he was ugly toward Christians. He didn't like Christians. He wanted to see them dead. He would prefer to see them all in jail. And so the Apostle Paul, he had dreams, and those dreams changed. And what changed those dreams was relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is where I want to just speak from the heart for a moment because over the last few days and this last week, one of the things that we've really been, been seeing is we've been seeing these riots. We have been seeing the injustice in this country as to what has led to this, these riots and the things that's been going on. We have questions we don't understand. We, we, we look and go, what are they thinking? Why break windows and steal things? Greg Merritt told me earlier, he said, you never see a Christian family... Uh, a, a, a Christian bookstore owner on the news going, yeah, they broke in and stole every one of my Bibles. I don't have a Bible left in the store. Uh, they're always looting other things. They're not running after Bibles. You want to know why? Because they're not running after Christ. You want to know why? Because they need Jesus. That's what the solution is, is they need Jesus. That is, 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 is the, the heartbeat of what is going on. What's going on here with Paul in chapter 20 of the book of Acts is, is Paul has done his three missionary journeys and now he is feeling the Holy Spirit leading him. The Holy Spirit is prompting him to go back to Jerusalem. And when he gets back to Jerusalem, he knows because of the Holy Spirit that he's going to face being locked up. He's going to be put in jail. He's going to have chains. He is going to have a very hard time. The Holy Spirit has warned him of that. Let me tell you something. When you walk in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can give you inklings of what is to come. It can happen. So Paul knows that there's some things that's going to be coming. And so in chapter 20, we see some of that journey as he's journeying to Jerusalem. And he has this feeling that he's never going to see some of the people that he has been around uh, anymore. So as, as we get to verse 18, 17, and 18, Paul has stopped at, at, at this place called Miletus, and there he has asked for the, the elders from Ephesus, a church that he loves very much. Yes, that is the church that the Ephesians, that letter was written to. So he is there and he wants the elders to come down so he can talk to them and he can tell them bye and, and tell them uh, how much he loves them. He's not going to go up there because he feels like he needs to get to Jerusalem. And you want to know why he wants to get to Jerusalem so quick? Because of Pentecost. Anybody know what this weekend is? It is the weekend of Pentecost. Friday was Pentecost. This is the weekend of Pentecost. So the Apostle Paul is trying to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Do you remember what happened on Pentecost in the very first part of Acts? That is when the Holy Spirit it came and came upon people and changed the world forever. So Paul is wanting to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And so he's met these men and he's, he's telling them some things from his heart. And I want us to get into this because if you want to talk about focus, if you want to talk about having a life that's going to make a difference. See, this message today is about making a difference that really matters in this world. Because a lot of us can do a lot of things and, and we can have dreams and we can have accomplishments. But until we make a real difference, we're not following after the Lord as He in, intends us to be. So in chapter 20, let's look at what Paul is saying. So let's begin in verse 18. And when they had come to him, these are the elders, Paul said to them, 
You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold... Bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. Now before I read verse 24, if you knew that bonds and afflictions were awaiting you in the future at a particular city, how many of you would go, I'm not going to that city. I think I'm going to go over here. I'm going to move. I'm going to move to another state, Chad. I'm, I'm not going to go there. But you know, there's a man in the Old Testament by the name of Jonah that had the same attitude. He got on a boat. He tried to go in the other direction. And God caused a big storm. And God will get your attention if He needs you to go somewhere. Even if affliction awaits you, that is God's will and that is where He wants you. And He's going to use you there. And so here is Paul he is telling these elders these things. Now let's look at verse 24 because this is where the crux of the message of focus comes from today. Verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. This is a key verse for Paul, the apostle. This right here, what he tells these elders, narrows down his focus, his drive, why he would go to a place where he knows affliction is going to be waiting him. Why he would continue to go year after year and day after day and continue to be bombarded by people who would throw insults and cast stones at him. Why would he keep doing that? It's found right here in verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. So let's dive into this verse. Let's lean into it. Let's camp out here just for a moment in this verse 24. Let's begin. There's three things in here that, that I want us to talk about. The life, the ministry, the course, and the ministry. But let's begin with the life today. The life that he talks about, the reason that he, he does not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Does that mean that he just he, he looks down on himself and, and he pushes himself down and, and, and he is nothing, he ain't worth anything? That's not what Paul is saying. Here's what Paul is saying. My life doesn't belong to me. Paul is saying my life does not belong to me. See, life is best lived with a proper view of ownership. Life is best lived with a proper view of ownership. If you want to make a difference in this world, it's not about you. Our life does not belong to us. It belongs to Him. God is the one who has given us life. See, our life is a gift from God Himself. And when we understand that He is the owner of our life, we then become stewards of that which He has given to us. And when we are stewards of that which He has given to us, we take care of it a little bit differently. 
You know, when I borrow something from my neighbor, I take extra special care with whatever it is. If it's a tool, if it's a ladder, whatever it is, I want to make sure I take a little bit extra care with what belongs to someone else than if it belonged to myself. The same thing is true for our life. When we understand that our life belongs to God Almighty and not us, then we will live differently. Even before you were born, God knew there was a purpose for your life. Even before anybody had an opinion about you, God had a purpose for your life. See, He's the owner. And you know what the owner is? The owner is responsible. Last week I talked about how uh, in, in Bible study on Wednesday night, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, how it is the owner that's going to be responsible for the results. See, we don't have to be responsible for the results of life when we understand our life belongs to Him. Our dreams may change once we understand who actually owns our life. Paul was living a life where he was going to kill Christians. He was going to destroy this movement of Jesus. He was going to get rid of it. And then one day, after all the rioting that he did, he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, it all stopped and the message that he proclaimed was different. And not only did he have a different message, he had a different life. He was the one inflicting the pain, but once he met Jesus, he was the one receiving the pain. And he was doing it willingly because he knew who owned his life. And it was God himself. See, when God owns us, when we understand that our life belongs to him, we don't have to be concerned about the shortcomings that we feel like we have. See, when we feel like we have a handicap or we feel like that we can't measure up and we just don't have the abilities of someone else, God is the one in control of the results. And He can use you right where you are to short-sell yourself because of your inabilities is to short-sell the owner of your life. That's God Himself. God can do great and mighty powerful things through, through your life just right where you are. Warren Wiersbe said this, Whatever you keep, you lose. Whatever you give up, you possess forever. You know where he got that? He got that from Jesus. Jesus Himself said that very thing. And in this world, if you want to have life and have it abundantly, then we need to give that life to God who already owns it. You know, one of the things that, that's real funny that happens at my house sometimes is whenever my son, particularly, Buddy, thinks he owns something when I'm the one who paid for it. <laughs> and so sometimes I have to gently remind him, son, who paid for that? You did, Dad. That's right. I did. And so... That is an ownership idea that when we understand who is the owner, we respond differently and we live differently. So God is the owner of our life. Let's look at verse 18 and 19. Let's see where Paul is declaring this today. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia 
how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. I got news for you. You know what I would do in the flesh? I would give up and go home. If I was having to suffer and there were tears and there were plots against me and there were trials, my flesh would say, I'm just going home. This ain't worth it. But Paul stuck with it. Why? Because he understood his life belonged to God and not himself. It wasn't about finding pleasure within himself. It was about finding pleasure in the eyes of God himself. Look at verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. So do not read this and think that he's thinking bad about himself or thinking down about himself. He's thinking about the ownership of himself. Who do I really belong to? I belong to God. He's the one in control. See, when we don't approach life with stewardship, here's what happens. Purpose is shallow, meaning is fading, and, and the next popular or feel-good thing will be the thing that you jump on. It'll be the next bandwagon that you begin to ride. But when we understand that we are stewards of that which God has given to us, and He's, in, he's the owner, He's in control of our life, we begin to live differently. Can I make a bold statement here? I think we'd take care of our bodies differently, wouldn't we, if we understood that they belong to God. See, when it's just my body... I'll do with it whatever I want to do with it. If I want to eat an entire pecan pie, yes, I said pecan and not pecan. I'm a pecan. I'm in the pecan camp. <laughs> I see people shaking their head. If I want to eat a whole pecan pie, if my body is my body, then I'll do with it whatever I want to do with it. And so what? But when I understand this is God's body and it is to be used to glorify Him and I need to take care of what belongs to Him so that I can do His work, I'll look at that pecan pie and I'll go, maybe I won't eat the whole thing. I'll just eat half of it. <laughs> but see, when it comes to understanding that God is the owner, it changes everything. And Paul is very clear. He made a difference in this world. He made history. It's not just about making a difference. It's about making history. Paul was a man who made history, and it was because he understood ownership of his life. Belonging to God means that no one determines our worth in this world or in the next except for God. He's the one who determines your worth. No one else. What you don't give to God will keep you from God and may destroy you in the end. If you keep your life from God, from giving your life to Him, then what may happen is that very thing may be the thing that destroys you in the very end. So let's move on. Let's talk about the course. The course that he mentions here in verse 24, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course. See, the course is best run with a God-sized purpose. Not just a dream, not just a purpose, but a God-sized purpose. If God is the owner and He's in control, now He's going to give us a purpose and we're going to follow that purpose and it's going to be a God-sized purpose. It's going to be bigger than just what we may even think because God wants to do something greater than we ever Imagine, look in verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Verse 20. 
how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood that he had a course to run and it was set forth by the purpose that God had given to him. And if that course took him to a difficulty, he followed the course. If it took him to joys, he followed the course. If he had to go uphill, he followed the course. If he had to go downhill, he followed the course. And here's the beautiful thing in verse 24. He said that I may finish my course, the one that God has mapped out for him. God has a course mapped out for each of us. He has a purpose. He has a design that He wants us to fulfill. And wherever that course takes us, that's where we need to go. Paul said he wanted to finish that course. Dr. Tony Evans said, When you realize God's purpose for your life isn't just about you, He will use you in a mighty, mighty way. There is no end to what God will do when you understand that God has a purpose and you follow after that and you're following that course in your life. Let's talk about the ministry that we find in verse 24 as well. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. I don't want you to miss the connection between the ministry and the course and his life. His purpose was the gospel of Jesus Christ. His purpose was to reach people and to do things that's going to make a difference when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Going back to verse 20. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. In other words, he's, he's saying, I did not shrink back. I did not, I did not begin to, to set back. I wanted to declare clearly Jesus Christ. He said, I did not shrink from declaring to you. Verse 21, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. Verse 27, look down. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. There is a ministry that Paul had. And can I declare to you today, you have a ministry. You do not have to be on staff at a church. You do not have to be on this stage to have a ministry. God has declared to you a purpose for your life. And it's not far removed from what Paul's is. And that is to declare that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That He is the hope of salvation so that people can be reconciled from being, being broken with God to being connected with Him. That is the ministry we must declare. Last night, as I watched the news, I wept. I sat at a table in my living room, and I sat there, and I watched what was going on, and I wept. Because there were police officers standing out there. There were, there were National Guardsmen. There were people standing there. And I wept because they had put themselves in harm's way. And in opposition to them was a group of people, some of which wanted to do nothing but harm. They weren't exactly sure who the enemy would be last night. You know, sometimes we're living our life and there is an enemy that wants to kill, steal, 
and destroy. And that enemy wants to get a hold of the minds and the hearts of the people to divide and destroy. I've told more than one person just this week that I have been aware and I have been, been watching and listening. There are more conflicts going on. But, and I believe it's because of the quarantine and this whole coronavirus and what we've had to, to deal with. I think there's more problems between people and issues in families because of all this going on than ever before in history. But can I tell you the uniting factor is Jesus. The, the message has not changed. Jesus should unite us all. And for those who wants to, wants to destroy and to kill and to maim and wants to do nothing but bring destruction, the solution is Jesus. We can talk about what's going on all we want to. We can have our opinions and that is fine. But when it boils down to it, if we want to make history in the middle of this, let's be telling people about Jesus. Because Jesus is going to change their heart and their mind and their actions for all of us. That is the ministry that Paul held on to. People hear what we say, but they will follow what we do. That is the ministry that we must speak and do that which is absolutely a part of Jesus Christ. Let's not let our dreams and our hopes and our purpose be something outside of Jesus. Jesus is our purpose. The gospel has continued to be declared from this church even during the quarantine and the doors being locked. And it shall continue around the world. There's nothing that's going to stop the gospel. Not even a pandemic. People are still hearing about Jesus. So let's make history. Let's make history by understanding our life belongs to God. And let's make history by understanding that not only does my life belong to God, but the course that I run is built on a purpose that God gives me. And that purpose that God has given me is tied to the ministry of the gospel of peace. The gospel of the grace of God. So what must I do? We, the very first thing is this. We need to live as a steward with a God-given purpose. A steward with a God-given purpose. Not owners, but a steward. Of a God-given purpose that He has given to us. And when we live that, we will be walking and living a course that's going to lead, lead us to a place where we, we can be part of impacting history. The grace and power of Jesus Christ to change lives is just as powerful today as it's ever been. The difference is, there's too many people that don't know about Him. We need to get more people to understand the grace of God. So we need to second, declare God's good news. Declare God's good news of grace. See, this is what Paul said in verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus, here it is, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. You want to know what the word gospel means? Many of you know that. Good news. The good news about the grace 
of God. That will change lives. Charles Spurgeon said, We are not responsible to God for the souls that are saved, but we are responsible for the gospel that is preached. We are responsible for what we do with the life that He's given to us, the purpose He has assigned to us. Because you may be saying, Well, I don't know if I really have a God-sized purpose. You do. He's given us all a God-sized purpose. He's given us all a God-sized ministry. What we do with it will make the biggest difference in making history. Here's the seven-day challenge for each of you, all of us. It is to pray. It is to pray earnestly for the gospel of peace to penetrate hearts in our cities and in our nation. And not only that, the gospel of peace will penetrate the hearts, but that it will bring revival to this land. There are rumors everywhere about where there's going to be protests tonight and where there's going to be protests uh, there's gonna, I've heard it's going to be here in Gainesville. There's going to be one at the Mall of Georgia. They're going to be all over the place. And we will anxiously be watching to see what happens and what is going on. We have law enforcement officers who's putting their lives on the line. They're stepping out there. Injuries can happen. Things can take place. But can I tell you, the greatest thing we can do is pray for the gospel of peace to penetrate the hearts of all those who are there so that revival will come to this land. Come to our churches. Come to our neighborhoods. Come to our homes and make a difference. Jesus is the answer. And as we deal with this, the greatest thing we can do is let us, let us do as we would expect them to do if they knew the Jesus that we know. If we know Jesus, let's act like we know Jesus. Let's grab that grace and move forward. Gina, will you come and play? Today as we come to the end of this message, there may be some people who you have been living your life as if your life belongs to yourself. You've made your decisions, you've made your dreams without much of an idea of what... God really wants. And if that's the case, today's a great day to say, God, my life is yours. Maybe you're not sure what your purpose is. Today is the day, this is the time to truly let God become the one who gives you purpose and meaning. Will you pray with me, Father? Lord, our life, our life belongs to you. Right now, I pray that you'll penetrate our hearts and our minds. That we will turn our lives completely over to you. And that you are the owner and we are just the steward. Help us, Father. Help us walk in a way that shows that you are in control. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and the message that you've given to us and that we have received that grace. Lord, there are many who have not received the grace. They don't understand the grace. They've not experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray today that you will 
penetrate hearts with the gospel of peace. Lord, last night, there were some young people that took waters and snacks to the police officers. There were, there were men and women who stood with shirts that say, we love you too much to let you do this. Father, may we love people too much to not tell them about Jesus. Because the thing that's going to make a difference in their life is going to be Jesus. That will bring true unity and understanding and justice. It's going to bring the things to our country that we need where we treat one another as brothers and sisters rather than enemies. So help us, Father, move forward in declaring your Son, Jesus Christ, as the only way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.